Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good day, Savannah. I'm Adam Van Brimmer, and this is a commute podcast from SavannahNow.com. On this episode, Savannah is coming off its best year in economic development ever, and 2022 is off to a fast start as well. Even so, challenges loom, particularly around the size of our labor force and a housing shortage and public transit access issue that could impede workforce growth. The Savannah Economic Development Authority's Trip Tollison is our guest and provides a comprehensive outlook of where our economy is and where we are going. Today is Thursday, January the 27th, and this is a Commute Podcast presented by National Office Systems. CETA's Trip Tollison will be along in just a second after I pay the bills. National Office Systems is the Commute's presenting sponsor, not to mention my favorite local business. I think about them every time I step into our comfortable offices on Chatham Parkway. Owner Scott Center and his team over at National Office Systems are Savannah's experts in office design and outfitting. They work with top quality suppliers such as Dirt Modular Interiors and Herman Miller Office Furniture to create comfortable and productive workspaces. Learn more by visiting www.natoffsys.com. That's www.natoffsys.com. Now, here's my interview with CETA's Trip Tollison. Pleased to have back on the commute today, Trip Tollison with Savannah Economic Development Authority. We are recording this interview at their new offices at, is it 909 Drayton? 906. 906, I was close. I had this just upside down, the 906 Drayton Street, right on Forsyth Park. If you hear a little traffic in the background, it's because they are literally right on Drayton Street and right on the park. And I appreciate him taking some time. Uh, every year, Trip, we try to get together and, and talk a little bit about last year, look ahead to this year, talk some other issues. Uh, I know that the CETA had their annual meeting a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you were out of town and missed the meeting, and for what I understand, for good reason. I don't know. We can kind of talk about that later. I don't know how many details we can get into, but we'll talk about it anyway. But before we talk about that, let's talk about 2021. One thing about the CETA meeting was – uh, the presentation showed that 2021 was it was a record year in, mm-hmm. in many different ways. Mm-hmm. And most of us would think of 2021 as we're still in the middle of a pandemic. It's a very difficult year. Same time, we know that the the economy roared back from from 2020 and the shutdown. Even so, what were some of the things that you think contributed to 2021 being such a strong year for for economic development? I think the Southeast as a whole really is on i mean this it's just incredible amount of growth i think with the pandemic came you know some opportunities for the southeast and when i when i say the southeast i mean anywhere from you know texas all the way over to north carolina it's just a lot of folks are moving here from bigger cities especially northeast new england area california uh and so we're obviously trying to take advantage of that um and and I think the pandemic did play into that. And, and, you know, the Southeast has always been a very welcoming part of the United States. We've got great reputation for business. Uh, Georgia, you know, being the number one state for business and of course our port, there's just a lot of good drivers there that, that were, you know, allowed us to accelerate. 
Yeah, the port had a huge, huge year. Absolutely. And it almost goes part and parcel. That's right. With the supply chain disruption, with the business that the port is building, have you seen a, a, an increase um, in terms of, of people that are port-related fields? Has that kind of been the leading driver? It's been one of them, for sure. Uh, you know, we're constantly on the phone with the port every day, almost every hour. There's so many projects out there. You look at, you know, we're still one of the hottest industrial real estate markets in the country. 2021 was a phenomenal year for industrial real estate. Uh, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, our deal with the port is, hey, you you work your customers, you bring you bring in the product. We gotta go find a place to put it. And the product and the activity is just dramatically increased. Uh, the port is spending a bunch of money, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Of, you know, increasing capacity, doing the things that they're doing, and we gotta be ready for it. And you know, my counterparts in the surrounding counties. We're constantly working with them on what can we do to, to make sure we've got what we need to, to allow the port to be very successful. Um, with that also comes great opportunities to manufacture. You know, we the logistics sector has, has been crazy, but I think one of the greatest things that I got to see, or at least be a part of, or you know, see it as a whole, is working on these manufacturing projects. So we had 14 projects last year that we did, and five of those were manufacturers. That doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, when you get one or two a year, that's that's uh, that's, that's something to celebrate. But the, just seeing what's going on in the manufacturing world, um, and there are a lot of reasons for that. Uh, we could talk for hours about why manufacturing is so strong and coming back. But to see these projects play out, and you know, at least you know, they're all obviously early stages because we just announced them or did them last year. But that's been a lot of fun. A lot of the talk in 2021, at least the headline grabbers, was uh, involved what used to be called the Pooler Megasite. I'm probably going to butcher what it's called now, the Chatham. Chatham County Development Site. There you go. Uh, Amazon signs on. They're building out there. Mm-hmm. Also had a, a, a manufacturer take the rest or what was left of the site. Behind Mitsubishi. Behind Mitsubishi. Mm-hmm. To go with that, it, when you look at what happened there in the last year after it had been so long of, of trying to get somebody there, how do you what's your take on that so it to me it was a brilliant plan and so you had a site sitting there for so long mm-hmm. um obviously amazon all over the country all over the world for that matter you know we competed for that project i'm glad we won it but at the same time you know to take 80 acres of that prime prime real estate and obviously you know work with amazon to build a state-of-the-art fulfillment center um we needed to reevaluate with the state and say, okay, we're going to continue to slice and dice this property. We've got a manufacturer going in the back. We've got Amazon and we've got all this other space left. What's the transaction? What's the, what's the best way to do this? And the state to their credit, and I give the governor a lot of credit on this one uh, in the department of economic development. They said, well, why don't we sell this property and take proceeds from that and buy a real mega site because it's not a mega site anymore. And it hasn't been for, for, for many years. And so if the if the locals are able to contribute and work with the state, let's go buy us a, a mega site mm-hmm. as close as possible, which of course is the Bryan County mega site. And I think there are other proceeds that the state could use for another mega site, you know, maybe on the southwest side or whatever. And so because of that, um, you're able to bring in Amazon. They're gonna start with a thousand employees. I think it's gonna grow exponentially because that site is just so vital and so important to the system. And then you've got other parcels that we're holding for manufacturing, warehouse distribution, whatever that tends to be. 
we're building a four lane road through the site that's going to run through the backside uh, parallel Amazon and come out of Pine Meadow. It's, it's just going to open up a whole new area over there that you know, a year ago from now was there's nothing happening. And I really like the kicker of bringing in Celadon on the back because, you know, I want to make sure we have the right balance that we're doing what we can for the logistics industry, but at the same time, we got to do what we can for the manufacturing. And so, so far, it's been a good, a good, a good play. Right. So that site is, is taken care of. But there are other parcels coming. Other parcels coming. Mm-hmm. At, the, at the Chatham County Development Site. Okay. Two other sites, uh, the, the manufacturing center, which you guys yep. worked really, really hard on. Yep. It's, it's, it's ready to go. It's ready to roll. We've got a lot of activity. We've got, um, you know, I always have a saying here, we don't talk about projects that we may or may not be working on, but I'll tell you that we've got several, we've got several companies um, that are very interested in Chatham, Savannah Chatham Manufacturing Center. How, uh, many, how many can it accommodate again? Is it 12? So we've got 12 sites okay. with the potential to grow even more than that. Uh, and then, you know, everything from 100 acres to 15 acres. Right. Uh, and we're seeing a lot of interest from the small parcels to the large parcels. And again, we're only going to put manufacturing over there. But, you know, January, we're going to have five or six prospect visits just this month alone. And usually January is not as busy of a time. You know, it's usually spring and fall, sometimes in the summer. We've never had six prospect visits in, in January. It's usually one or two. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, all six of them are manufactured. Okay. And so that's exciting. Mm-hmm. When I came here to the office, I came because we were both at a meeting on the south side. So I came around on the bypass. And if you go on the bypass now, you see... I did the same thing. So I so check yeah. out Rockingham. So you see Rockingham coming along pretty quickly. Uh, and that is more e-commerce, mm-hmm. not manufacturing, right? We, we can't. We, we definitely can do manufacturing there. Mm-hmm. Um, but due to the close proximity of the port, I think, you know, our partnership with the private sector, I think they will gear towards more of a logistics fulfillment e-commerce play. Mm-hmm. However, if we have a right fit for a manufacturer, we could definitely, we could definitely go there. Um, especially with the rail capacity there. There's a CSX line that can be very beneficial to a manufacturer. Of yeah. course, e-commerce as well. I didn't get a full grasp of what the site was like until driving by, and it's, it's a humongous piece of property. It and it has other pieces of the property next to it that are obviously can be developed as well. It's, very, it's, it's the rare, quiet corner of Chatham County right now. That's right. I want to jump ahead in a conversation since we're talking about all of this uh, potential new business coming to town. Our unemployment rate right now is, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it's a 2.1. That's correct. I think that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I think our, our labor force participation, it's, it's not like people, it's not like the pandemic where there were a lot of people that were sitting out of the labor force. What I'm getting at is we're short on labor. When you start to attract prospects, and, you've, and you guys obviously focus five, ten years down the road, when you look at our labor situation now, does it concern you? And whether it concerns you or not, how are we going to grow that labor force with, with getting people, attracting new people to town? It's the number one issue, number one question. It's the number one thing that we're constantly talking about. You know, going back to the point made earlier, the projects that we see now, quality of life continues to become more and more of a big factor in company decisions. Five years ago, it was probably 10th on the list. Now I would say it's in the top five. Hmm. Um, and COVID's changed that, you know, and, and folks realizing that they can work more virtually and, and the things that you could do, you know, pre-COVID has really been a benefit to us. 
I say all that because yes, we are we are very very tight on labor. But if companies want to pay more and pay more, you know, to me the labor market is no different than buying a car. You know, if you want the right employee, you're going to pay more to get the right employee. Just if you want the right car, you're going to pay more to get the right car. Um, and so, with that said, and the fact that folks are moving here and they want to be in the southeast in our part of the world. I think five years from now, we're going to have a better story to tell than what we're telling now. But, but of course, the labor issue is, is, is terrible all over the country. It's not just something unique to the Southeast. Um, but we've got some of these things. We've got a lot of these things going for us. But, you know, I, I tell companies right out of the gate, they call and say, I can't. This worker's, you know, has been a great employee, but, you know, they're going to go over here. And, I'm, and my immediate response is, well, then pay them more. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it, it's, it's, it's just... It's the name of the game right now, um, but I think it eventually, with the net migration patterns we're going to see over the next five years and the growth that we're going to see, I think the labor market gets better. Yeah, it's interesting because for more than a decade now, we've talked about workforce development being a big thing here, especially mm-hmm. with some advanced manufacturing. Do we have the, the trained workforce or do we have the pieces in place to train up right. the workforce to, to please them? Um, it was never a matter, at least in the past, I don't think of a labor shortage as it was so much of a matter of having the, the, the trained labor. So as these new people, is it going to be a matter of uh, attracting new people to town that have that training or can we still do more here? It's both. Train, okay. Yeah. I think you, you, you will we'll attack trained talent, no question. Um, but at the same time, with all of our partnerships, like with Quick Start, Savannah Tech, all the universities, I mean... Is still to me a mind blowing statistic that we've got seventy two thousand folks that are in some that are in some sort of after high school training program, whether it's at the university level, technical school level. We've got a lot of opportunities for folks to get the training they need, and we have seventy two thousand people that are doing that within an hour of Savannah. Um, four years ago, it was like sixty five thousand, right? And so that's encouraging. Uh, and what I love about all of our partnerships that we have with these educational institutions that they want to customize and do the training that is necessary for the employers. Mm-hmm. 10 years ago, it was all the way around. Right. It was, this is what we're doing. Take it or leave it. Right. And now it's been a complete reverse. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was at the world trade center, uh, event late last year, uh, Griff Lynch got up there and talked about, you know, they're almost at a point where they would rather hire on their end and then, they do all the education yep. and training. And I think that that is a trend with a lot of industries right now. You're seeing more and more employers, especially at the human resources level or even at the executive level, say, you bring me somebody that's got a, that's got a great work ethic, mm-hmm. a great attitude, and somebody that's willing to learn, I'll take that over anybody that, you know, has it, you know, that brings stuff to the office, that doesn't have the soft skills. That, right doesn't have this or that. Uh, More and more people are doing that now, and I think that trend will only continue. You are listening to a The Commute interview with Savannah Economic Development Authority's Trip Tolleson. We'll return to that discussion after I remind you that you can read stories about Savannah's economy and so much more at savannahnow.com, the online home of the Savannah Morning News. Get full access to savannahnow.com and our mobile app for just $49 for the next year. Go to savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and sign up. One more time, that's savannahnow.com slash subscribe now. Now, back to the interview with Cetus Trip Tolleson. 
I know that since we're talking about labor, is uh, we found out again. Time gets away from me. I think it was maybe November, maybe even December, that the state landed what is billed as the one of the largest deals in the state history for mm-hmm. Rivian, the electric mm-hmm. vehicle manufacturer. Of course, back in the summertime, uh, the the governor or the state had pitched Bryan County Megasite for that. Obviously, they had other sites they were working within the state. There's a lot of questions of why out off of I-20 versus out off of I-16. Sure. What can you tell us about how that went down? Kudos to the state, um, from the governor to Pat Wilson all the way down. That was a great project. And uh, sure, they looked in our region. They looked all over the state. They looked They looked everywhere. Um, great company. The products that they're going to make are phenomenal. Um, the main driver, in my opinion, what they – Right out of the gate, um, as they refined their search criteria, they knew they wanted to be within 100 miles of a major international airport. And as that criteria was developed by the company, we you know, realized that we weren't going to meet some of those requirements. And so that was a big driver uh, for them. You know, Every company is different, but that's something that, that was paramount to, to Rivian. The other thing is, is that they needed or wanted to be in a really substantial ecosystem of technology talent and having georgia tech anchored in savannah in atlanta is a huge deal for them and not only that the engineering programs at the university of georgia that go along with it Mm -hmm. i think was also a big driver for them Mm -hmm. and then the third thing and again this is not coming from from rivian or the state there's just my own you know from what i gathered from the project uh the other thing is they're not going to be a big port user and we know that the site we have in Bryan County, the connection with the port is going to be paramount uh, to making not only the port successful, but the site successful. Uh, but what a great win, great win for the state. Absolutely. And that was a very competitive project. And, and you know, when that was announced in, in December, I think a lot of people were, 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 were dancing because yeah. it, was, it was a big one. Talk about tech talent. And you're right. Obviously, the ecosystem with, with Georgia Tech, University of Georgia are there. Does that throw the gauntlet down a little bit? To, uh, Georgia Southern has its own engineering program now. Right. Uh, does it throw the gauntlet down here to, to our corner of Georgia that, hey, advanced technology, advanced manufacturing like this, maybe we need to step our game up a little bit? It definitely adds. It puts the pressure on us to, to, to do things. You know, obviously we don't have the, the, the tech talent like Atlanta. Atlanta is just a behemoth, Right. But look where we've come over the last few years. Slow but surely, that tech talent is growing um, with the efforts from the Creative Coast and what we're doing here, other institutions, um, you know, in, in, in doing the thing we did last year with you know paying, you know, moving expenses for technology talent that wants to move in our area. So yeah, we're trying, and the pressure's on. Um, but you're also still going to have to have you know the customized skill set training that comes with any company and from the advanced side all the way down to, to the assembly line. Uh, and I think we've come a long way there. Yeah, because you hear it probably twice as much as I do. The whole idea of our economic development here is, and it's not accurate. I want to say that up front. It's not accurate that our economic development here is all about warehousing and logistics. That's that's not accurate. That's right. But that is a key component because of the ports. Mm-hmm. So from your perspective, how do you combat that a little bit and say, hey, we're, we are advanced manufacturing. Maybe we weren't ready to get Rivian yet, but... We're going to get there. Yeah, so manufacturing in our region, I don't have this in front of me, but it's the largest GDP by far of any other sector of the economy. We are a manufacturing region. Now, the ports over the last 10 to 15 years to their credit has really, really grown. 
And when you have executives of the, of the Port Authority and folks standing up and saying, we need more warehouse space, well, guess what? The private sector is going to come in and listen to that, and they're going to go buy X amount of acres and do what is what is being requested of, of different entities. So to combat that, we're doing things like buying the Bryan County Megasite. That will only be for a, you know one-user, big manufacturing project, you know, creating the Savannah Chatter Manufacturing Center, uh, you know, fine-tuning some of the zoning that we're doing um, with other areas like Rockingham uh, so that we're prepared for those manufacturers when they come. Case in point, last year, five manufacturers coming into the region. You can't just go put those manufacturers anywhere. That has to be a certain zone piece of property that will allow it. What companies do not want is to come into a landscape or an area and have a bunch of boxes that are unchecked. Mm-hmm. And when we work with the city, we work with the county, and we go through these processes of making sure we've got zoned property in the right regions that can accommodate what we're trying to do on the front end, pays huge dividends down the road. So we talked about labor. We talked about geography. There's two other things that are related to both I wanted to talk about. The first is affordable housing, Mm -hmm. obviously a big concern within the city of Savannah, but quite frankly is a big concern much more broadly because yep. even if people are living in West Chatham or across our county lines, that they're the ones that are going to work in a lot of these economic development places. So if the housing is too expensive there, then that has an effect on wages. It has an effect on attracting talent. When you look at the affordable housing issue, what are your main concerns and what do you think needs to be done to, to tackle it? That is a, probably one of the biggest questions that is not getting answered here. And I wish I had, I wish I had a solution. I wish CETA had a solution. I wish any, I mean, it's something that is talked about all the time. I think the Savannah, you know, Savannah and Chatham County in the region for that matter, but mostly Savannah and Chatham County, there are a lot of great organizations that try to do the right thing that have great ideas. But I feel like a lot of, of these different organizations, you know, it's like a well-hit three-wood in a tile bathroom. You just everybody's <laughs> going in different directions and right. the ball is going all over the place. And I feel like that has been the approach to affordable housing lately. And granted, there's a lot of well-intended opportunities, well-intended ideas, but I don't see any cohesive or collective approach, and that worries me. Um, we've... We've got, I've sat on different task forces. Some of our team members here have been on different task forces. And we've got to get our arms around it. And I don't want to do it before you know it gets too late. Uh, you mentioned the Amazon project earlier. I love what they're doing. So when you follow what Amazon's doing in the, the markets that they invest heavily in, for example, this huge fulfillment center that's going um, at the corner by 95 and I-16, you know, they're making significant investments in affordable housing where they where they invest huge amounts of money. Um, and so that opportunity, I think, will come for us at some point. And we're not talking about, like, you know, here's $100,000 for this. We're talking about millions of dollars. And I don't I don't know where that would go right now. If they came into town and said, we want to help you with affordable housing, here are some resources. I mean, would you know, where, where would you send a check? Where would you tell Amazon to go? You see what I'm saying? Maybe, and, and maybe New Hampshire. Yeah, I mean, we, we know there's different jurisdictions that you can really do some amazing things. Yeah. But what, what's the entity? What's what's the what is the mechanism of putting all that in place? Does that make does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. And it's 
it's interesting, and I'm not going to ask you to weigh in on, on the city's approach, but obviously the city is taking steps now. They are going to look at looking into an inclusionary zoning ordinance. There's been other people that say that rather than going that direction, maybe you should incentivize uh, development of affordable housing. If you're going to build market rate, you should build so much, which is the same thing as inclusionary zoning ordinance. Mm-hmm. It's just a different mechanism to get there. To you, is it almost a, we got to try everything in the bag, or is it as simple as we're going to figure out the right direction and everybody's going to pull that direction and that's the way we're going and tough. Yeah. If you don't like it tough. Well, absolutely. The city is really doing They're really taking a lot of ideas and they're really working on it. So I give them a lot of credit, but it needs to be more than just a city. It needs to be, you know, what's going on in other parts of the region. And granted, not just Chatham County either. Right? Yeah. You're talking we're not talking about just Chatham. Um, I mean, look at Brian County. Who, fastest would, in the state. Fastest right. That's where I'm going with this. So would you have thought 10 years ago, Bryan County would be the fastest growing county in the state? I, I would have never thought that, but it is. And everybody knows with growth comes challenges, but we're not getting our arms around affordable housing. Now, if there's something that comes out of the city's effort that the region or at least Chatham County and others could, could become a part of, that would be fantastic. But I feel like some of this activity is kind of in a vacuum right now. But certainly, City of Savannah has the biggest challenge, you know, first and foremost, especially when a lot of the workforce is coming here from miles and miles and miles and miles away because they can't afford to be, you know, closer to where they're coming to work. So I do give I do give the city a lot of credit, but there's there has to be more of, of an inclusionary, more regional perspective to this than just just the city. Which is a perfect segue because wherever we build this affordable housing, it's probably going to be in parts of the county that are not served by public transit. Right. And uh, that is a hot button issue. There are mm-hmm. certain municipalities that have resisted uh, Chatham Area Transit, uh, resisted CAT. There is now a growing sentiment that CAT needs to be countywide. From an economic development standpoint, where you've got all of these new places opening, a lot of them are paying, you know, eighteen, twenty, twenty-two dollars, twenty-five dollars an hour, paying wages that uh, people will take advantage of public transit rather than, mm-hmm. than driving their own vehicles. How much of a factor is that from an economic development standpoint to have a, a more inclusive cat? Our belief is, if a company wants cat to serve their site, then cat should serve the site. There shouldn't be anything in the way of that, especially when you have a publicly owned asset, which is CAT, that's using publicly owned surface transportation routes, there shouldn't be any inability, in my opinion, to make that happen, period. Uh, and it is unfortunate that we've got some parts of, 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 of the county that, that don't want it, but I think there's a way to work around that. We, we're, folks that may not want the Chatham Area Transit's their part or whatever, their neighborhood, we're not, from a CETA perspective, we want to get people to the job, mm-hmm. and we don't want anything to get in the way of that. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's the, those are the conversations we're having. Uh, I also think that cats got to get their house in order too. You know, there's been a lot of complications, a lot of difficult things that have happened with cat, and you know, there needs to be more community buy-in for what cat's doing at the same time. But at the end of the day, if I'm running a 500 job opportunity or asset that's you know that's somewhere in Chatham County and I've got you know you know a third of my workforce that's interested in taking Chatham Area Transit work then by golly they should be able to do it 
get it. And if, period. And, and for the folks out there who are resistant to it, all you got to do is look up the road, go back a couple of decades, and see what Cobb County, Gwinnett County in particular, were against MARTA expansion. Right. And look at that. Now they are rolling. That's right. But it's taken a while, and, and there is interest. It didn't pass in Gwinnett County, but it may in the, in the future. Mm-hmm. There is interest in, in doing something they should have done a long time ago, and that mm-hmm. was expand right. public transit. Looking past those those issues, 2022, I know you said you've had a bunch of site visits. Is it looking like a busy year as you project out? What uh, what should we be on the lookout for as a community from CETA in the next 11 and a half months? <laughs> Uh, Get out your crystal ball. You know, so so last year was the best year on record um, that CETA's had on the investment side. I think uh, I look at my number, seven hundred eighty-three million. That's a huge number for a community our size, and, and we're very very blessed and thankful for that. I were, I think next year is going to be a strong year. I do. I think that um, we're going to continue to see a lot of these prospects come to the region. Um, we're obviously not going to win them all. We're be. You know, bat a thousand if we won ten percent of them. Um, the, the market is just so daggum competitive right now. We're competing, you know, projects and you know that are looking at North Carolina, you know, looking at Alabama or, or Mississippi. Uh, and you know, I'm a big believer in, in incentives are meant to make a good project better, not a bad project. You know, across the finish line. Mm-hmm. And you know, incentives are important when you're on the one yard line, but I really love seeing how, like I mentioned earlier, the quality of life is playing a bigger part of these decisions. And let's let's face it, we've got to be strategic as well. We can't sit here and, and try to attract every single job that comes across our desk because if we do that, then we're all everything's going to shut down. You're going to be able to move people around. You're going to be able to do this and that. So we're having a lot of conversations about that. You know, it's not that we're being selective. We're not going to take on that project or this project. You know, I tell everybody if there's a lead. If we know a company wants to move to the southeast and that's all we hear, we're going to go chase it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got to be smart about you know, what we're bringing in. And again, and I know I've said this several other times, the manufacturing pickup or lately has been awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, I think that will continue to grow. Um, I do worry, we just you know, look at the stock market the last couple of days, I do worry that you know, this crazy cycle that we're in is not going to last forever. And I think the million dollar question is when do things start flattening off or when, when do we see, I don't, I hate to use the word correction, but with inflation and other things, this boom and rising interest rates, this is, this, it's not going to last. Right. Um, but I do think 2022 is a year to take advantage of it and who knows what will happen in 2023, but we're off to, off to a great start. And just maybe the silver lining of that inflationary pressure is people are going to want to build more stuff here. Absolutely. And that. We're still a very affordable place to live, even though, you know, we got our housing, you know, affordable housing demands. But when you look at, you know, we study Moody's analytics all the time. We're still a very affordable place to do business and a very affordable place to, to live, even though some people may disagree with that. But the data definitely shows us that. Yeah. Well, there's one takeaway everybody should take in this conversation is got a lot of balls in the air. And mm-hmm. A lot of things that a lot of people don't think about uh, to, uh, on behalf of of the community, or at least what I can speak for. Thank you for all you do. Thank you. Thank you for being a good partner. That's all for the Thursday Commute Podcast. Thanks again to our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. For more interviews with local newsmakers, check out the Commute archives by searching The Commute with at Savannah Opinion. The Commute returns next Tuesday. Thank you for listening.
Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.